0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the One Thing Podcast. I have Nick Sonnenberg on with us today. And Nick is an Entrepreneur Inc columnist, guest lecturer at Columbia University, and the author of Come Up for Air, his new book about how teams can leverage systems and tools to stop drowning in their work, which I think we can all relate to. He is the founder and CEO of Leverage and a leading operational efficiency consultancy that helps companies implement his CPR, Business Efficiency Framework. Nick, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Oh man, I can't tell you. Nearly every team, organization, individual that I've ever worked with, that I've ever been around at some point has has said to me, I have too much to do and not enough time. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, I've also heard I'm drowning in work, which is
1: (laughs) why I titled my book, Come Up For Air. It's just like the most common thing you hear. It's like, how's it going? Oh, I'm drowning in work. You know, it doesn't... You know, it's avoidable. And, you know,
0: that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I titled the book like that. But yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy uh, how consistent that is. So consistent. I I think we can all relate to it. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. But I found myself... Relating to this, and it, it comes in swells almost at times where you'll feel like things are a little bit more stabilized, in balance, so to speak, if that if that is such a thing. Uh, but then you'll have these swells of work, like you're launching a new book, or you have a project that you're rolling out, or just things collide, wavelengths line up, and just everything's going at once. And and for me, I found that having a system or a model or some really efficient tools that you can use when things swell up, it becomes a necessity to not drown. Um, And I'm sure you you can relate to that too. I think being efficient is good no matter what,
1: whether you have a swell of work, whether you don't, whether you are in a recession, whether you're in an economic boom, whether you're remote, you're in person. There's never a situation where it wouldn't be better to be more efficient than less efficient. You know, and when I say efficiency, I mean just doing things right, removing the friction, the roadblocks, not going on a scavenger hunt, wasting time, looking for something for an hour that should have been two clicks away. You know, it's all the crap that doesn't give you joy or tap into your unique ability. You know, that's what I'm all about. How can I free up all the roadblocks and blo- and obstacles so you can focus on things that you're uniquely best to, to work on? That's going to make a bigger impact for the business. And usually, the stuff. Where it's like, you know, what did Chris say to me? was that in a text, an email, a Slack message. Oh, I don't, you know, was that a file somewhere? Let me go. And, and you know, it, 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 no one likes it uh, in any position of any seniority level. No one likes that type of stuff. And so I think no matter whether you're in a swell or not, you just want to remove all that stuff, even if you use that time just to, you know, think more deeply on your strategy or even take, a little bit more vacation to reduce burnout. It's better than just wasting time going on a scavenger hunt, but yes, of course, if you have a swell of work you you absolutely. it's it's like not a nice to have, it's a
0: need to have yeah it's good. and good call out too. you you need it you need it no matter what, and I think where I've seen even for myself and and others is when you aren't in those times of of super high demand, you'll fall out of practice with some of these, get a little lazy, maybe not maintain the habits you formed with leveraging tools and efficiency. And then when you have this well, find yourself behind the curve trying to catch back up to that. And I'm sure you've seen that too. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's the thing is once people really understand deeply kind of the purpose of things and they see the benefit, it starts to really get ingrained as a new habit. You know, it's like we all learned how to use a laptop. Like you, you don't need to be told today, use your laptop instead of your typewriter because you know, it's, You know whether you're very busy or not too busy. You know that the laptop is going to outperform and be more productive for you than the typewriter. So I think once people really understand the why and they see the impact, you know, it just sticks. Um, And then you know, but people fall into this quicksand. Like when you get busy, it's this it's this quicksand problem where you're busy, you're totally drowning in work, and then in the moment you're just like, I got to get this off my plate you know, and I'll just send you a text or I'll send you an email or I'll just stick it somewhere in Slack. And it's like this hot potato game where it's just take it. And the thing is, when everyone is playing that game of hot potato, everyone's locally optimizing for themselves, just to transfer stuff as quickly as possible, because you've got this, you know, flux of work, and you don't know what to do. But the thing is, you have to be careful because when everyone's playing that game, everyone loses because what goes around comes around. And if I'm making something easier for me in the moment, and I'm not putting it where it belongs, it's going to be 10 times harder for my colleague to find it. And if then if my colleague is playing the same game back with me, it's gonna be 10 times harder for me to find things. So the, the name of the game and the underlying principle in my book is set up systems and processes to optimize for retrieval of information. Meaning, people take pause and they're not just trying to play this game of hot potato and transfer stuff as fast as possible. Everyone takes pause, spends an extra few seconds to put things in the right drawer where it belongs. And if everyone adopts that, you turn the whole conversation and the whole strategy from a local optimization to a global optimization. And that's how you really win as a team. And it comes back to you as an individual. Because if everyone's putting things in strategic places for you to find it's going to save you 5 to 10 hours a week. I promise. That's what we see. And in your personal life, you already think like this. When you do your laundry, the fastest way to be done with your laundry is you take it out of the dryer and you throw it in one drawer. But you don't do that. You spend the extra minute to separate your socks in one drawer and your underwear in another drawer. Not because it's the fastest way to be done with your laundry. But tomorrow when you need to put an outfit together, it's 10 times faster to do that because you've Done the pre-work of organizing things into the right drawers. And in business, we have, our, we have drawers. We have communications drawers. We've got drawers for our tasks and projects. We've got drawers for SOPs and processes. And if people were to just take pause and put things in the right drawer where it belongs, it'll be literally 10 or 100 times faster for you and your colleagues to retrieve what you're looking for and avoid that scavenger hunt, which is the stuff that really starts making you lose you know in a lot of cases a full business
0: day a week yeah i saw that that you referenced that that you know there is potentially a full day to gain in efficiency and that's it's a big number when you extrapolate it out across a year i mean you're you're talking about you know over over a month a month and a half that you get back roughly in in a year and what could you do with that from a you no know, a reinvestment uh, of that time in the things that matter most for you and you talked about like quicksand and and, and drowning i think it's such a a good analogy or comparison for that feeling when you are snowed in and just completely overwhelmed and what you see people do and they just start flailing and firing things off, like you said, shooting it in text or email or random and not putting things where they belong and just snowballs downhill instead of creating that like reciprocal benefit for yourself and everyone of uh yeah. the efficiency that that you mentioned.
1: It's tough because when you're drowning in work and you're already working a 12, 14, 15 hour day and you're just exhausted, you know. You, you really just got to figure out you're in survival mode. But if you're always in survival mode and you never spend the time to work on some things that are foundational, you're going to just never get out of it. It's uh, another analogy I, I sometimes use is if you have a sink that's overflowing with water and you've got a, you know a hole in the pipe somewhere, if it takes you five minutes to mop the floor versus an hour to patch the pipe, a lot of people will just spend the five minutes to mop the floor right but if every week you got to spend 5 minutes mopping the floor after 12 weeks you've already spent an hour but the difference is versus patching the pipe you know now look patching the pipe that it, you'll have to carve that time out and maybe that'll take away from doing a sales call right now but you fix the problem at the root cause and now you don't have to worry about the 5 minutes wasting every week forever you know so at at a certain point you will hit a break even where that you'll get a return on time versus return on investment for fixing some of these things. And that return on time, it might might be the 12-week mark. It might be the two-week mark. It really depends. But people need to think about these things as, look, we need to actually take a step back and spend a little bit extra time on some of this foundational stuff because we know over the long run, it's going to give us back an hour a week, two hours a week, three hours a week. And it starts to stack up and at a certain point, the fact that you don't have to do some of these low-level inefficient activities because six months ago, you made, you made a fix that now you're, getting, you're reaping the benefits of, that's really something that people need to be thinking much more, much more closely about.
0: It's a great point. And I love that you said return on time. It's such a mindset shift to to think this way instead of you know what we say often, spend your time. Like, I got to go spend some time doing this or spend some time doing that, even though you're just vocalizing yeah, it's, that. It's, there is a mindset to it to shift and say, okay, my time is an investment. So how do yeah, I, I invest it in the things that matter most?
1: That's a good point. I'll give that more thought. You don't ever say like, I spent some money buying Apple stock. You say, I invested my money buying Apple stock, right? And it's the same thing with time. You're not some of these things where you're fixing foundational
0: aspects of your team and your business, you're not spending the time to do it. You're investing the time to do it. You got it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is interesting when you reframe it that way and you think about your time as a, as an ROI or looking for an ROI, a return on investment for that time instead of, you know, just like you said, mopping the floor. Like, how do I stop, reassess? Like, how can I invest this time for a better long term strategy? Yep. Something you mentioned too about eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious, ready to eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef created, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. root cause I thought was, was something we should, we should talk about some more. And we like to say, you know, think big and go small, like think big about your goals, go small to the small actions that you could do. And, uh, I've, I've often related this going small to like a root cause analysis, like get as deep as you can to the root of, of the thing that, uh, will have the greatest impact for you. And, you know, try to get smaller if you can, or go deeper if you can, when possible to the, to the solution. But do you, do you see a comparison with what you were saying there? I mean, I, I do think I do believe in first principles. I do believe in getting to
1: the root of something, you know, like, because when you're not getting to the root of something, you're just patching. It's the equivalent of like just mopping the floor faster. You know, so it's, I don't know, say there's an issue with something in your business. It's so easy to for someone just to say to you, look, we had this issue and, you know, uh, we got it sorted out like we're fine. It's another thing to just go a little bit deeper know, well, how did you solve it? Are we sure that it's not going to happen again? Did you spend the extra five? Did you just fix this one episode? Or did you fix the process and now we're sure that that will never happen again for the next 100 episodes? And so I think that it's important to always kind of be thinking, are you patching or are you actually fixing a
0: foundational layer to how you operate? Yeah, uh, great point. I- I think I've, I saw that you referenced the the 80/20 principle uh, a little bit in in some of your your teaching and I'd love to hear how you interpret that especially when we're talking yeah. about like ROI and you know what work will will yield the greatest impact for you. Well, you know it's so that for those that don't don't know the 80/20
1: principle, it's basically like uh 20% of your effort yields 80% of the results that you're trying to achieve and that's kind of like my quick version of of how that of how that principle um is meant to uh how that principle is meant you know i think that you can get carried away you, there's it's a never ending journey to be efficient there's always something that you can do you know if if i had nothing to do like i literally could f- find ways to save a second or two seconds and sometimes that adds up you know if you save in one process a second and then you have to execute that process 60 times a day. Say it's how you manage email. You know, Actually, email tangent for a second, but email is the most misused tool. It's the most popular thing that we train people on through Leverage, my consulting and training company. And so take email. Say you don't know about some tips or tricks that could save you even a second processing each email. But you get you know, 120 emails a day. That's two minutes a day. That's 10 minutes a week. Right, five day work week. It's forty minutes a month. You know, like it starts to starts to add up. It's like eight hours a year. You know, just showing you a one second time savings, and then you know you're a team of ten. That's eighty man hours, or so. So, um, you know, this stuff this stuff really does start to add up quite quickly, and a second a second really can make a difference. And so but you have to you have to apply the 8020 thinking to a lot of these things. You can't fix everything. Everything's a balance. How much do and how much energy, attention and 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 money investment do you want to invest in short-term activities versus long-term activities? Most companies go 100% short-term and 0% long-term at least the ones I see quite often or at least smaller companies and it, and it makes sense if you're struggling to make payroll or you haven't hit product market fit you know nothing matters more than making payroll so you got to just put all efforts into growing say revenue and you don't have the luxury of patching you know patching the pipe is a luxury you know most people don't have the luxury they just got to mop because they're in survival mode getting out of survival mode is a luxury and so you have to look at it like that you know fixing a process that tomorrow won't generate a dollar but it'll save you time in the long run is a luxury that um you know very few people can afford, or actually, they they can't afford it because you don't need to do, you don't need to optimize everything. You can apply the twenty, the 20 principle, and just take twenty percent of processes or twenty percent of how you do things, and try, just try to tighten that up. You don't need to get crazy and be trying to optimize thousands of processes. There might be three processes that you start with that are run day in and day out, that are critical that. Only one person on your team knows how to do it. So you're sitting on risk that if that person leaves, you're screwed because no one else knows how to do it. So you don't need to do everything at once. You know, start with just a few things that will give you the highest leverage, no pun intended, and move from, you know, I can guarantee you that there's more than enough work to do that can save you an immense amount of time. You don't need to be thinking like you need to do a million things. Pick the top couple of things, focus on that start saving time with those things. And usually when we work with clients, you just need to create that little bit of breathing room. And so if you're out of capacity, if you're totally drowning in work, you just need to give them an extra hour or two. And now when they have a little bit of breathing room, now it's like, let's use that breathing room and let's fix the next thing. And let's make that two hours, two and a half hours. And now with two and a half hours, we got a little bit more time. Now we can patch the pipe a little bit better. Now let's move that to three. And so, and before you know it, you know we can work our way up to a full day back, but you it's like this snowball effect. You have to keep reinvesting back the time that you're saving into the next foundational layer, and eventually you will find that you're getting back uh, a full business day. Now, what you do with that time is is on you. Maybe you still work the same number of hours. It's just you're repurposing time that was purely wasted going on the scavenger hunt. And now you're able to do more key projects that will add to the bottom line of your team that help you as an individual get promoted or achieve what you're looking to achieve. Maybe you can do a a blend and get more work done and have a more relaxing vacation and not be bombarded with emails and texts while you're trying to take a family trip. So whatever you do with that freed up time, that's on you. But I would rather literally someone just take a vacation and do no work. Then waste time going on a scavenger hunt because at least the time that they're away is rejuvenating. When they come back, they're not burnt out. We'll have a higher retention, better culture, and
0: better quality of work. So, yeah, there's there's so much in there, and when you think about, I think the the longer term play and how you create margin. I know I've had the experience of, of coaching some teams and you know their goal was to reduce the number of hours that they're working. They're like, geez, we are back to back all day, you know, from 7am until 6pm every day, or, you know, move, move that, that around the thresholds on either end, but just really long days. And as they made progress, they didn't find that they were reducing the number of hours, at least in like the first phase of that, what they were doing is, is making progress on the things that were most important Then as they rolled into like a phase two of that, they started to see those, those vacations start to free up and more, but you have to get, it's like the drowning analogy. Again, you got to get your nose above water first so you could breathe and get clear. And then you can start to work your way to be, you know, head above water, shoulders above water and, and, and see progress. And yeah, and you you said something, said something earlier in, um, I had someone share an analogy with me a while ago and and I thought it was really interesting. And they they were talking about like, hey, I can't like pick my head up and look over to the horizon, like have a longer vision to your point, like a company that's just trying to pay, get payroll covered, and just get some revenue through and and pay the bills, keep their their team around because that's more important. Um, and what they were saying is like, I can't pick my head up and look over the horizon because I got potholes in front of me. I gotta swerve. I gotta if I don't, I'm gonna run over these potholes and things are gonna blow, I'm gonna blow a tire. And what I, what came to my mind at the time was like, well, the beauty of like picking your head up, at least getting clear on what north is, is you'll know which direction to swerve left or right to miss the pothole. So like both those things are are really important. You need to be able to pick your head up and then look back down.
1: Yeah, I think it's the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency mm. is doing things right. And effectiveness is doing the right things and you need, they go hand in hand. You need to be doing both. You don't want to be moving, Fast and removing the scavenger hunt and removing the roadblocks, and then you're moving in the wrong direction. So you need to know the direction you're moving in, and you don't want to waste time
0: getting there. Great point. Yeah, good point. When you're when you're working with teams, or, or you're working with uh, organizations, and you're you know seeing some of this where if if they're coming to you and they're saying, "Hey, I'm I'm." We are snowed in. (laughs) We are really in critical condition here. Like, where do you generally start with them first?
1: It it depends. It matters. You know, sometimes we work with mega companies that are in the Fortune 10 with huge teams. Sometimes people are tech savvy. Some aren't tech savvy. So it really depends. But one, there's like kind of two things that most companies have gross inefficiency and that are quick wins the number one thing i mentioned this before that we do at leverage you know we do consulting and training and that could be slack microsoft teams outlook Mm -hmm. gmail asana kind of all the core technology tools that teams need to be high-performing teams to collaborate properly email is usually a really logical start if you can get to inbox zero and get a grip on your email one i can guarantee a lot of people thinking right now, oh, that's impossible. I have a quarter million emails in my inbox. It doesn't matter. Like we've gotten people with hundreds of thousands. Even just reading my book will help take put a dent in it. But there's money. There's missed opportunities sitting in the email right now that people just are missing because they don't have a good system, and it's causing it's co- it's causing unnecessary stress and a lot of wasted time because it's just not managed properly. So. We teach how to use search, not needing as many folders, how to snooze emails so they can disappear, magically reappear at the perfect time. Uh, the difference between the inbox and the archive, should you archive or delete? Like there's little nuances that that are important. And the email is such a commonly used tool. Like you might never have heard of Asana or Slack, or maybe you're just starting to roll it out. And some teams maybe use it some don't. And we could talk about that and when you should use them. But every single person, uses Gmail Outlook, basically. It's like, that is that has penetrated and that is here to stay. And so knowing how to use those tools efficiently can save a tremendous amount of time because of the volume that things are happening in those tools. And also the benefit is, you can learn at your own pace and it, you're not negatively impacted if your colleague doesn't get to inbox zero. Like you get full benefit, even if your colleagues don't, versus other collaboration tools, which are critical, and we talk about this in the book. You need everyone to kind of start and 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 adopt it at the same time. Otherwise, you kind of get punished if you're trying to use, you know, a new tool, but it requires, you know, collaboration and your your team to be looking there. And if they're refusing to look and they still want to use text or email, you kind of get punished. Following best practice and using the right tool, but email—you know—people can learn at different paces and adopt at different paces, and the people that adopt it reap the benefit regardless.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's probably a, a good to mention in your in your book and in your teachings. You you leverage a framework uh, you call CPR, right? Communication, planning, and resources, which is I love the simplicity of. And it's beautiful, <laughs> and, and it's on brand, right? Come up for air. I know, drowning work, it. CPR, right, right, right on the nose, and uh, communication being like email, enterprise messaging, like your messaging, like you're talking about with Slack or Asana or Microsoft Teams, and that there is like a, and I've seen this. There's like a delicate dance to do between email and enterprise messaging, like Slack as the alternative, and I'd love to hear a little bit more from you on how you see that balance, you know, relative to, I guess, the, the team and the specific organization, but like, you know, what's right. appropriate. Cause you've seen, I've seen it tip to where everything's in Slack and it, you can't find anything and files are hard. To, like you don't know which, you know, group message it was in. If it's not in a channel, you can't relocate it. And then the other end of that with email, where it's, everything's in email, you've got an inbox of a thousand to your point. Like there's so much going in there. It could be a, it could have just been an FYI in, in Slack, for example. So I'll pause there.
1: Yeah, what I talk about in the book is, you know, CPNR communication tools, planning tools, resource tools. Those are those drawers that we talked about before. Just like you're you have a sock drawer and an underwear drawer. You have drawers for those three buckets, and you know, within each of these buckets, like take communication. You've got internal communication. You've got external communication. There's different tools to help you with both of those buckets. <laughs> So in general, email should be external communication. And in general, Slack or Microsoft Teams should be internal. And there's reasons I lay out in the book. Probably the primary one is, you know, email, if you think about it, the logic is it's ordered chronologically versus in tools like Slack and Teams, it's ordered and grouped by topic. You have these channels. And so there's... Functionality to make them both more robust for the different purposes that they were ultimately built for, but even if you don't use the tools hundred percent perfectly, at least just knowing, hey, at my company, we've adopted kind of the the framework laid out and come up for air. So we know that internal communication, we're going to be using Slack, external, we're going to be using email. So you know if tomorrow you're trying to look up something that you know a colleague said to you, at least you know, what tool to open with the highest probability of finding that piece of information versus right now, of course you want to use it right. And of course you want to be thinking about all the nuances of using that tool, right? When should you use channels? When should you have a private one versus a public automation? Like all these different things are important, but it starts with even just knowing, Hey, what's the most logical drawer for me to open. Now you want to organize the drawers, if it's if you open it, but at least you want to know: you're are you opening a sock drawer or are you opening an underwear underwear drawer? Right now in business, it's like there's no logic; it's just things can be anywhere, and you got to solve that first. And then the next step is: are you
0: using the tool properly? Mm. Yeah, good point. Internal versus external, and I I think that's a a really good default and a, a simple way to to think about how to leverage those two things. That makes a lot of sense. So communication is yep. huge, right? And that's where you go to first, and you can score the early wins and and really optimize. And then, I guess the the P can we talk about in CPR the planning? And I'm assuming that's you know goals and strategy, uh, those things. It's that, but it's also like just tasks and projects. A lot of people delegate
1: things that are actionable that you want want to hold someone accountable to, and they're doing the that in communication tools, right? Like, mm. you wouldn't want to like start doing your annual planning over text message. And it's like, okay, you agreed that you're going to sell $10 million worth of, you know, services. And, you know, if that's in a text message, and it's a year, you know, now we're a year in the future, and we're trying to talk about how did it go this year? You know, you don't want to be scrolling back 10,000 messages to say, oh, okay, yeah, we we said that the goal was, you know, $10 million. Likewise, whether it's a goal or it's as granular as like, hey, Chris, can you edit this podcast by Friday? Those are still what we put put into the planning bucket. It's still things that you want to hold people accountable to. Whether that accountability is in the form of achieving a project, completing a task, achieving a goal, you want to hold them accountable. And communication tools, things can slip through the cracks. Communication is to communicate. It's an announcement. Hey, welcome Nick to the team. I don't need to hold anyone accountable to that. Hey, Chris, can you get this done by Friday? I want to hold someone accountable to that. I want to be able to click a button and know what are all the things that I delegated this week did they get done? What's the status of our goals? What's the status of these key projects? I, don't, I shouldn't have to ask people. I shouldn't have to chase people on the scavenger hunt. These things should be one or two clicks away. Yet in business, we're wasting so much time by people putting those things in the wrong type of tool to begin with. Most of the time, people are putting actionable things that you need to hold people accountable tool inside of text, email, or Slack, or Teams, which are all communication tools. And they belong in a planning tool like Asana or Monday or one of those tools. And tools are built for specific purposes, right? In Asana, I can click a button and know what I need to do today. I can click another button and know what's you know, what's going on with all the key clients, I can click another button and know what did I delegate that's past due, I can click another button know how are we doing on the book launch. I can't do that in these other tools. And it's like the equivalent of if we were to go take, you know, take your team, say you want to take them camping in the forest together, you need a walkie talkie to communicate, but you also need a map to navigate out of the forest. Most people have no distinction or strategy between the walkie talkies in,
0: in their team, and the maps in their team. Uh, I like that analogy. See, we we definitely need a format for like capturing our commitments, goals, deliverables on projects, like progress and tracking on on you know, how we on or off track to those things. And i I've seen varying levels of complexity with that. And I'm curious to 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 hear your insight. Like, for example, like a spreadsheet. If you're a, like an entrepreneur and there's a low level of complexity, or at least you're getting started, like perhaps that's a good place to start. On the other end of that spectrum, you have things like you'd say, like Asana or Monday, where you've got multiple projects that have multiple stakeholders and multiple deliverables with each. And if you don't have that level of complexity, you're, things are going to fall through the cracks, right? And so it's kind of knowing what your needs are and then finding the resources that support that.
1: Yeah, I think... I think it's all a balance. Like, you have to be strategic with how you roll these things out. That's, you know, I would say Asana versus spreadsheet. At least if you if if you work with us, it's pretty quick to get people using Asana correctly. So I don't see any reason why anyone would ever want to use a spreadsheet over Asana because, like, literally, you know, in a matter of days, like you you can be using Asana pretty well, and uh, you know. Be like ten times better than a spreadsheet. I think the, an argument though could be documenting a process really well in a tool like Process Street versus putting it into like a Google Doc. Mm. You know, mm. and like that's like a bigger discrepancy in time investment. And so some of those things you really just have to be strategic and decide. You know how many you want to do. What are the most key processes? And you've kind of got to plan it out and 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 allocate time in your sprint whether you do weekly or monthly or whatever you do but you know there's different different things take different amounts of time to roll out and have different opportunity costs and so something like spreadsheet versus asana the opportunity cost is massive and the change in time investment to get asana which would be far superior than spreadsheet it's marginal so like yeah there's you have to just be you have to just be um you know balancing the risk and the reward or the the cost to the reward and something like a spreadsheet to asana it wouldn't i don't see any reason why someone would want to do that unless you know there there could be nuances where your company hasn't yet approved it or like they're starting to consider it and like half of your team doesn't want to so you can't use but even in that case you still get so much benefit just using a tool like that for yourself, even if your team doesn't use it. It's still helpful to be able to click a button and know what you need to work
0: on today, and you know take take the benefits of just the solo case. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. I'm I'm trying to think of a, a time where maybe there's a, a balance, and I I, I could think when you're like a scratch pad or like when you're initially forming your plan and and the sh- like call them priorities or strategies that you would implement to say you have a goal, you are know, like I, these five things are going to get me to my goal. Here's the strategies for each. When you're kind of going through that phase of it. Sure. I've seen using like, you know, a, a spreadsheet or or something that really helps For, like, the beauty of the simplicity. But then you're like, okay, this one strategy is a very complex project that needs to go live in Asana. So yeah, like I'll I'll
1: plan out my goals sometimes in a spreadsheet. I'll do mind mapping and brainstorming and Miro and digital whiteboarding tools or Google Docs. But once we've kind of aligned on actionable work that needs to get done, or goals that you know we've committed to, that's where it should then. That, that's where we will go and put it into,
0: kind of like a, the main system. Yeah, yeah, good, good point. That that's good. And sometimes like, there is beauty in, in the simplicity when you're just trying to narrow your focus. But that simplicity is is insufficient when it comes to uh, very very big or even medium and small size projects, programs, products, etc. Okay. Yeah, so totally. that, the planning. So communication is a big challenge <laughs> and seems to yep. be the place where most organizations can see benefit the fastest and it's sustained over time. Planning. And if we've talked about, and not only the the process, but like some of the, the tools you can use. And I think we've touched on resources a little bit, but in the, the R and CPR, can we dig in a little bit on the resource component?
1: yeah, so like resource is all about documenting your knowledge. so you've every company has intellectual property. whether you realize it or not, even as simple as how you do payroll, you know that that's unique to to your business. You know, you log into this tool, you click this button, you double check this. You want these things to be documented, and you probably have thousands of processes and sops, standard operating procedures. You don't need to feel like you need to document everything all tomorrow. You could apply that 80-20 principle, but you need to start thinking about this stuff. Not only will it save you time, right? You don't want... if If you have to repeat yourself more than once to someone to answer a question, that should be a trigger. Hey, maybe I need to put this in our knowledge base. And then people can go and find that. Back to the mopping the floor and patching the hole... Mopping the floor would be answering the question once a week forever. Hatching the pipe would be, I'm going to go and create a little article or a snippet. I'm going to put it in the knowledge base in a logical place. And now for the rest of time, people can go there and answer that question themselves. I never have to waste time for the rest of my career answering that question. Right? Yeah. And And yeah, creating the document and putting it in the knowledge base might take you an extra few minutes. But that's an investment that will pay off. And so... You need to be thinking about this, and um it not only will it save you time, but it'll reduce the risk. you don't want risk that someone leaves and they're the only person that knows how to do a sales call or do payroll right you want to if you've invested the money for an employee to do work, you want to capture all of that knowledge and not have risk that it leaves the moment that they leave right and so just like. You know we're talking about investing time versus spending time and how you know you would invest in Apple stock just like you're investing in t- investing time to generate a return. You also could make an investment in something like disability insurance or an insurance policy that you know maybe you hope to never see a return, but you just you know that you're giving money every month for your disability insurance because if one day God forbid something happens, you know you're protected, and it's the same thing with with documenting your knowledge not only are you saving time so you are getting kind of that return on investment you also are are kind of buying an insurance policy at the same time and so it's important that people just are aware of the benefits whether they're invisible or visible to the activities that
0: are critical to your business well said well said and we see so much when it comes to the business goals objectives uh, call it professional goals. There's, there's so much, of, uh, there's so many tools and resources and your framework. And there's a lot of thought and, uh, rigor that goes into how we distribute this across teams and, and find efficiencies in communication. And then you, you flip the coin over and you, you look at your personal goals and then there's just like an ocean between those things. And, and, uh, I'm curious if you, if you see, um, from your end, any application, you know, on the, using these, the same framework when you're thinking about setting goals for yourself personally, not that those things are always disconnected because we find that they're generally very connected, but there is a disparity when you think about, Hey, I'd love to do this thing for myself personally and how we apply this, the same methodology. I think in terms of just thinking, right, I would
1: say whether you're doing something for business or personal, you should always be thinking, what's the value of your time? Do you enjoy what you're doing? Can you kind of buy back time at a discount? Like, if your time is worth hundred dollars an hour, you know, could you pay someone twenty dollars an hour to do that for you? You know, so I think that there's a lot of similar thinking involved. The same, you know, with setting personal goals and business goals. You know how, however, you go about thinking about how you set goals, probably should be relatively consistent. You know. Um, How I use email is exactly the same for my personal and my business life. I use a sauna for both business and personal life. Um, I'm always thinking about, you know, is this going to generate a return on time or a return on investment? And so I think, I think that you know the the lines have been blurred between work and personal life, and it's really about work life integration versus balance. And I think that a lot of the same, a lot
0: of the thinking carries over on both sides of the court yeah agreed agreed and it's it's we have the opportunity cuz we we in our coaching we really like to earn the right to look at people's personal and professional goals professional first in many cases and then earn the right to the personal and it's it's it comes up all the time that you see a high level of thought and complexity necessary complexity on the on the professional side and then you have these very kind of like vague or like not very well baked out goals on the personal side and like just continue to stress how important it is to like you said, like integrate those things, both from a, like, an, like tools and thought process and, and rigor, but you know, the, I think just the investment and the time and the importance of that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Nick, uh, what else do you think would be good from your book to, to touch on that we haven't already that would help someone understand what you guys are, are focused on?
1: You know, I, we, we talk a bit in the book also, not just saving time, but optimizing time and how, you know, different time slots on the day aren't, aren't all worth the same. And 9, 9 a.m. on a Monday after a relaxing weekend and you woke up and you worked out and you had your coffee or your kombucha or whatever you do, you know, your brain might be at full horsepower by 9 a.m. on a Monday versus seven o'clock on a Friday after 100 Zoom calls for the week and you're exhausted and you don't have your laptop. And so you need to be thinking about how do you optimize your time? like how can you shift things that don't require your brain to be you know at full horsepower? How can you reduce a meeting by 15 minutes and tell someone to send you a video, and now you just got back really valuable time, and now you can watch that video in the back of that Uber during low value time. And so there's some things like that that don't require any technology that people could just be more aware of. And um, you know, if you want to go deeper. Yeah, we wrote a whole book about this. So people can yeah t- pick up pick up the book and see a bunch of other strategies.
0: Well, that's that's a good segue. Like where if the listeners want to come check out more, find you, read your book, like where can they hunt you down to uh, to stalk you and uh, be part of your world? Well, thank you for asking that. So you can go to
1: comeupforair.com. That's where you can find out where to buy the book, but also we put together a ton of uh, additional resources uh, in addition to the book. The book is 320 pages long. It's packed with strategies and tactics. There's no fluff. Harper didn't want it to be any more than 320 pages long, and you know we're efficiency geeks, so it would have been like 1,400 pages long if we weren't. <laughs> and so we have another a whole bunch of additional calculators, checklists. Advanced material that didn't make into the book that in the book will say, you know, if you want to go deeper, go and get use this resource. And all the resources are on come up for air. So that's everything book related. And if you're a team that wants additional help, my company, Leverage, which is at getleverage.com, we do operational efficiency consulting and training for
0: organizations and teams. Awesome man. I appreciate it. Nick, if you could have the listeners just take away one thing from the podcast today, what would that be? <laughs> so they need to go to comma.com and, and no. <laughs> um,
1: I would say that, you know, they need to be thinking about how they spend time as an investment versus a cost and they need to be thinking about you know, utilizing all these tools in the right way to maximize team performance and optimizing
0: you know, for retrieval of information versus just get playing that game of hot potato. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this today, Nick. And I, I hope uh, it was a good experience for you. I know we, we talked a lot about it, uh, a lot of really valuable things for the listeners. So appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Bye, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There, you'll find information on -on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Us, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com.
0: We'll see you next week.